Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, this is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, December 22nd. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky joins us, our Chief Investment Officer. And good morning, Dave Spano, President, Annex Wealth Management. Good morning, Danny, and uh, thanks, Derek, for coming in today. Uh, this has been an interesting uh, quarter for the stock market. I know a lot of people are interested in what's happening, but uh, as of Friday afternoon, the, the, the Dow was down significantly again, despite the fact it opened up very well, and there was a huge swing throughout the day. And, you know, part and parcel of this, Derek, is really what's been happening with the Federal Reserve, as much as what's happening with the shutdown of the government. There's a lot of things to be concerned about, really. Yeah, I mean, last week we talked about the, the Fed meeting on Wednesday, and, and Jerome Powell did what we thought. It was I would categorize it as a dovish Fed hike, but it was not clearly not what the market was hoping for. He walked back the dot plot, so for next year the Fed now thinks they'll raise rates twice instead of three times, so that's a, a back off a little bit. He talked about the global economy, but he also mentioned something that I think disturbed investors, which was a sense that the reduction of the Fed's balance sheet is on autopilot, which suggests to many that they will continue to tighten regardless of the data, which I don't think is true. And then on Friday, John Williams, the New York Fed chair, basically came out and, and, and elucidated that point and basically said, well, of course, if the base case holds, yes, they will continue to have the balance sheet reduced, which, again, affects liquidity to some degree. But it was a far more dovish statement than what we heard from Powell on Wednesday. And again, you said the right words, data dependency. And so they will look at the math in front of them and then go forward. And if it suggests that they shouldn't raise any more, uh, I don't think they will do that. And so the Fed is is a big part of this. But what people are concerned about as we go into the end of the year is we're off, you know, more than 10%. In fact, nearing 20% on, on a number of the major indices. And that's caused people a lot of concern. Well, yeah, but Dave, you know, you and I I have experienced many cycles, not back to 1945, but certainly in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And on many cases, we've had S&P declines of as much as 28% and not had a recession. That's obviously what we're, we're trying to avoid here. If we don't have a recession, you could very easily argue that stocks are undervalued and that things will, will improve because sales and earnings will continue to grow, perhaps at a slower rate than last year, which we expect, but certainly not go negative. So recessions are two back-to-back quarters of negative growth, and right now there's no evidence that we're going to have negative growth. In other words, is, our, is the economy going to contract? We don't see that right now. We look at lots of data. We look at lots of economic evidence, and it's not suggesting that we're going to have that. And so that's an important distinction. Yeah, and currently the, the market you know, has a way of forecasting what the Fed's likely to do. And right now, despite the fact that the Fed believes they'll raise rates twice in 2019, the market does not believe they'll raise rates at all. And typically the Fed follows the market. So we'll see how that plays out over time. The other thing that's disturbed folks is you know, the USA-China trade dispute remains unresolved. We've had all sorts of program training and 
trading and selling of ETFs, which has exacerbated the decline. We have end-of-year tax selling in a fairly illiquid time for you know, a holiday environment. So there's all sorts of technical factors that are, that are weighing on stock prices. Derek, there's a, there's a number that we look at. It's called the Fear and Greed Index, and uh, it's a number that, that's on a scale of 0 to 100, 100 being on the greedy side and, and 0 and 1 being on the very fearful side. Where are we now? We're actually at five, which is the lowest it's been since the bottom in 2008, 2009. And this is not just a measure of stock price uh, performance. It's also a measure of credit spreads, the volatility environment, how volatile uh, things are. For example, the VIX on Friday traded at 30, which is the highest level we've seen this year. It's also about put-call ratios. We saw the highest put-call ratio but we've seen in many years at 1.8 to 1. And that just shows that people are very nervous, they're panicking, they're buying protection, and they're buying protection typically at the wrong time. You don't want to buy protection when volatility is high because that costs you more to protect yourself. So the big, the big concern here is a lack of clarity. We have a lack of clarity with the Federal Reserve. We have a lack of clarity with a government shutdown. You talk about our trade policy. You talk about slowing global growth. And laying that all out would make people concerned. But if you step back and open up the lens just a little bit. There's a lot of positive things to focus on, and we'll do that when we come back, Danny, because uh, I think that's the more important part of this conversation. Thank you, uh, Dave Spano, President of Annex Wealth Management. Derek Felsky, they're going to hang out for a little bit more. A little bit later on in the show, Deanne Phillips is going to join us. She's got a piece called Grief Decisions. This is when uh, your life gets upended and how and why not to make decisions that are that are uh, rapid. And sometimes you get pressure from people. It's a great segment. That's on the way. Ask Annex is coming up. Probably our longest, most complex question ever. That's on the way. How does Wisconsin rank for tolerating risk and the risk aversion? Interesting stuff. That's all still to come. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, December 22nd. As we went to break, Dave, you are talking about the positives, and there are positives. There are positives, and, uh, you know, I, of course, I'm Hector the Corrector, and I, I checked my phone, and it, the Fear and Greed Index is now down to four from five. And think about that. On a scale of one to 100, it's four, and that suggests that people are very, very fearful. Despite that, there is a lot of positive things that we focus on in economic numbers that, that I think we people should understand. Well, you know, one thing I'm focused on is I actually believe the Fed will pause in 2019 based on data that is becoming more and more apparent every day that the global economy is slowing. Yeah, our unemployment rate is at at 3.7%, a 49-year low, but wage growth isn't excessive. The yield curve hasn't inverted. Valuations are now more attractive. And I just looked back at 1995 when the Fed paused. And in the three months after they paused, you saw the S&P 500 rally 8%. Semiconductors rallied 30%, financials at 11%. Now, that's not a recommendation on any of those particular sectors, but it just goes to show you that all it takes is just a little awareness on the part of the Federal Reserve that the global economy is slowing. And the other thing, nice thing about the U.S. is 70% of, of the U.S. economy is consumer-driven. Now, I don't believe this stock market decline is going to affect holiday spending much, but we are going to see people realize that they're going to get more after-tax than they had in prior years. We have an oil price that's declined 40%, with gasoline now approaching $2 a gallon. That, again, is a tax cut for consumers.
customers. So the economic backdrop is pretty strong. And the other thing, I think you really have to kind of pull back. You know, for, for any number of years, it was monetary policy that led to a very strong stock market. The Trump administration decided to implement a tax cut well into a recovery. Why? Because the cyclical recovery you normally see hadn't occurred yet. And that allowed the Fed in 2018 to raise rates four times, with, and, and we still were able to generate GDP growth of 3%. So if next year the Fed pauses and we see fiscal stimulus in overseas markets, which is something we also expect, that will help U.S. companies from a trade perspective. So time gives clarity, and of a lot of these issues that we've spoken about this morning, if we start to see some some better news or we get more clarity on a number of these issues, then the market can start to trade on fundamentals instead of fear. And that's really how we start to go forward because, you know, we, you look at the companies that we own, they are selling widgets and they have a net income. And that net income, we can put a, a price to earnings ratio on that. And you go, why wouldn't you buy a couple of these companies right now? Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, just trying to look around the corner for a second, you know, this whole U.S.-China trade dispute. Now, we have a president who actually looks at the U.S. stock market is a validation of his economic policies. So with this recent stock market correction, I have to believe President Trump is more inclined to make a deal with China than less than he was several months ago when the stock market was ripping to new all-time highs. The Chinese stock market has similarly suffered, although recently the Chinese stock market has started to improve as they've talked about fiscal stimulus in 2019. So we might be having a taper tantrum in opposite right now. And you talk about some of this self-induced issues, you know, get get a deal done with China or, or get, you know, some clarity with China. The Federal Reserve, then, that's a self-induced issue. The government shutdown, that's a self-induced issue. And if you can push all of this stuff aside and say, where do we go in 2019 and 2020? And as importantly, how does it affect your financial plan? That's what people need to focus on because that's that's why we're doing this. Right. And I was I was rebalancing some portfolios on uh, Friday. And, and basically what the rebalancing tool is telling me to do is reduce my short-term bond exposure and add equity exposure, not just in the United States, but overseas. So the takeaway right now is where do we stand? And there's a, there's a person that, that we follow, and he put the term out there called tradable low. What does that mean? Well, what it basically means is, you know, he's, he's acknowledging that the sell-off has been very intense in recent days. He talks about, you know, people buying put options to basically protect the downside, uh, dislocations through algorithmic trading and the like, air pockets, if you will, buyer strikes, if you will. And he's just looking at these indicators, and they're basically all screaming that this market is way oversold and that we've reached a tradable low. And I have to agree with them, assuming we avoid a recession. And if that's the case, then I see no reason why our views on stocks should be anything but constructive going forward. Thank you, uh, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. You are free to go. Dave Spano, you need to stay. Stick around for that. It is now 1022 at WTMJ. So as you uh, head into uh, 2019, do you want to get something done? I mean, put it on your resolution list and check it off right away. Get that free portfolio analysis. You can do that at AnnexWealth.com. First thing you'll see on the website is uh, get started. It's big green button. Can't miss it. We will look your stuff over top to bottom, give you some sound decisions, no obligation. You can start that at AnnexWealth.com. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Annex Wealth Management. This is a team segment. 
You know, grief is an unfortunate part of life. Grief can upend someone to the point where they make bad decisions. Deanne Phillips is here to talk about grief decisions, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Danny. More than likely, this means the loss of a partner. What are the immediate dangers to somebody who's navigating the grieving process? The immediate dangers are long-term decisions made in the short term during that initial grief stage. So that whole first year, Danny, following a death, it's what we call a transition year particularly in a situation where you lose a spouse. So it's critical to realize your judgment and decision-making process may be impaired during this time. And during that process, your brain actually is functioning differently. There can be memory loss, confusion, emotions triggered out of seeming nowhere. It's called cognitive disconnect. Although conventionally we tend to focus on the emotional response to loss, grief also can have physical, cognitive, behavioral, and social dimensions to it too because the structure of your partnership, you and your spouse running the financials of your home is lost as well. You know, I was thinking immediate, but this could take a year. It really could. And it needs to be rebuilt, that structure. And sometimes, you know, the survivor doesn't have the life skills in the particular area. So earlier, a colleague told me, you know, I'm great with a calculator, but lost with a hammer. And I was thinking about that because the same can be said for areas of household finance, where often in a couple, one does the day-to-day budgeting or the bill paying, and the other might deal with the investments. And now he's gone and she's completely overwhelmed. And, you know, one thing that we've seen is if there's a life insurance policy, they'll send a checkbook. I've seen widows go through hundreds of thousands of dollars and not really be able to track where it went. Maybe a child is in need. Maybe they feel they want to donate to their their deceased loved one's cause. Maybe they want to finish a project that costs money that or a hobby that the deceased took care of. So here's a tip. Write everything down that you spend, really what you donate, what you give to kids, including promises that you make. Let's talk about planning a funeral. Deanna, in your experience, is it better for somebody other than the directly grieving person to take on that responsibility? Don't ever go directly to a funeral home after the passing, like immediately, because if you go when you're in a state of immediate shock, you can make financial decisions that are up over the top, too elaborate, and they can actually cost you a fortune. It's okay to try to breathe, call your family friends and get some of them to gather around you in person to make those decisions. At that time, specifically, friends and family say, what can I do to help? Let them. Let them cook, clean, drive you, which is really important. Let them come to plan the arrangements with you. Even take care of your kids or your pets. Let them even answer your phone. Believe it or not, this actually helps them with their own grief process as well. So what kind of changes do we suggest in a newly single person's financial plan? One of the first things you do have to do is apply for those survivor benefits, including Social Security, veteran benefits, pension benefits. you got to keep that income coming in. So there might be former or current employer benefits as well. So we recommend that you call the employee benefit department of your loved one's work. Check on any life insurance or additional payouts you might not even be aware of that does happen notify insurance companies to make the claims but remember you have to have the death certificates in hand to do that so usually seven to ten days and that can sound kind of daunting and last week we had our csms on our client service managers they're magic in this they they can navigate this for us this is something that we do for clients you know it's really important at a time when you're going through that process to have somebody or an entity who can really walk you through in a sound and reasonable way sometimes it's better to pick somebody who's financially disinterested 
What about stuff like health and auto insurance? So those will need to be adjusted sooner rather than later just to save yourself a little bit of money. You know, one thing I like, Danny, is making a travel bag for documents. So I recently lost my mother and my godmother in this past year, and I was their financial POA for both of them. And, oh, my gosh, I never could have kept it separate if I hadn't had those two duffel bags, one for each of them. And I carried their death certificates, their policies, their Social Security numbers, the information that I knew would be asked of me as I went to the financial institutions. They were all right there with me. So what can wait? Don't sell your home immediately. If you make a big financial decision, a lot of times in that cognitive distress, it can come back to bite you. Don't quit your job. Believe it or not, we actually have new widows come in and say, my friends say, since I got this insurance settlement, I should just quit my job now and pay off all my debt. And those can be a little regretful in the future. Again, you need to watch your cash flow. Don't hurry to buy long-term care insurance, even if your spouse ended up with a, a, a disease. You need to make sound investments. Don't loan or give money to friends or family. What are the danger signs somebody who's experiencing grief should be aware of? You are going to want to eventually send a copy of the death certificate to all three credit agencies, TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax, to make sure that no identity theft or credit card theft has happened. And unfortunately, widows can become prime targets for scam artists from everything like loan repayment scams, where actually, Danny, someone can be demanding prepayment for a loan that they claim was the husband's that doesn't actually exist, to even claims of overdue premiums for life insurance insurance to rush somebody into a product that might not exist. So any unusual bills, really get them to your attorney, get them to your financial expert. Verify, verify, verify. Grief Decisions, Dan Phillips joined us. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, this is Money Talk Annex Wealth Management. Saturday, December 22nd, Mandy Nowashinsky is here, our tax planner, and Deanne Phillips. You know, the good thing about having you live like two miles away, Deanne, is we can summon you in. That's, That's the true. problem with you living so close. So she's here for a couple segments. It's time for Ask Annex, and we love to hear your questions. AnnexWealth.com slash ask. We got a big one. This might be the longest <laughs> question we've ever got. Are you guys ready? Because, Deanne, I know you're handling this, and, and yeah. we need to hear from you, yeah. too, Mandy, on this one. This is from Andrea. My former stepdad set up an investment account with an investment firm for my retirement before I turned 18. I'm now 32. Sometime after the divorce, I believe he made himself a fiduciary holder for the account. I don't know because the firm won't divulge any information. I'd like to be able to invest in this account, but I'm unable to do so. My name is still attached to the account, but the stepdad is a fiduciary. I have no contact with my stepdad since divorce, and the bank that holds the account said I need to get my stepdad's death certificate. or Assumption court, he's deceased. Right, he's deceased, and we're going to go with that. Or a court official to manage the account for a set of myriad period of time before they'll let me contribute to my retirement. Is there a way for me to gain access to this account without a death certificate or going through a lengthy court process? Thank you for your time. And again, that's the biggest question we've ever got. And it's complex. And we're still digging through this, right? Uh, The short answer is probably not. She probably will have to go intervene and produce some evidence. But let's break this question down. The first thing is, she starts off by saying that a retirement account was set up by her stepdad in her name 
when she was a minor. So we can also go under a couple of assumptions here that it's either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. A Roth would be more efficient because probably she would not as a minor have income. She would need to shelter from a tax point of view. Correct. And that's a common tax planning strategy is to fund a Roth IRA for a minor. So it's very possible Mm -hmm. that that is the type of retirement account she is referring to. Now, the thing is also a minor cannot hold their own money. They can't control it until they're the age of consent. And that varies usually with the new uh, Unified Transfer to Minors Act, the UTMAs. It's 21 years old. It could be 18 in some circumstances, but usually it's about 21. So a minor needs somebody, this is the point two in her in her paragraph, needs somebody to act as a fiduciary or a custodian over that account serving on her behalf. But those funds are her. Because there was a divorce, did it go? It didn't go back to him. It's always stayed with her. Mm-hmm. So it's always hers if it's truly a retirement account. Because there, or or even if it's an Agmar Atma, because there is a uh, cons- consented gift that's been given at that point. So he or judge would not be able to claw that back and give that back to the stepdad. So there's a couple things here we just don't know. Right. Oh, that's very, very true. But, you know, we can go under the assumption because she says here that she was under the age of 18 and now she's 32. And if he's passed, you know, if this is actually a retirement account in her name, uh, she'll probably need to produce some sort of evidence showing that she is who she is, go into that bank. And she may very well have to. Their rules, depending upon where it is and who holds it, might be different. But at the very least, she'll probably have to uh, show how it was set up and some sort of paperwork trail. Um, If he's deceased, you know, if she's of age, it's her money, so the proof of that she is who she is will lie on her. But she'll probably need to produce paperwork of some sort even to get to that point, unfortunately, because the bank won't necessarily reveal enough to let her know the information she's needing. Mandy, this is almost like forensic work, right. isn't it? Right, kind of like forensic accounting. Right. But yeah, and have, the, have you run into things like this? There's some very unique situations out there that are like this, that a lot of times people set something up and maybe over time just let it sit and kind of forget how it was originally set up and may forget to plan accordingly, especially if it's, you know, something set up for the benefit of another person. And guys, this is... You know, this is wealth management. These things that we do, and mm-hmm. Mandy, you know, as part of our tax planner, this is part of the things that we do, and that's why it's just not about investing. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the portfolios today, but but Deanne, it's more than that. It's way more, and I have one more thought on that too. It's very possible because a long time has passed, it could have been cheated to the state. Now that does not mean that the money is gone irrevocably, but it's always good to do a check for our listeners under unclaimed property, mm-hmm. and in this case, that might be a good starting point. So you go through these things and you think about your portfolio and your risk tolerances. Well, there's estate planning concerns. There are tax planning concerns. And all of that goes together when when you're trying to put your wealth management plan together and your retirement plan together. And as we have this market pullback, you have to open up the lens a little bit and say, are all of the pieces working together? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, the market is just one component. And I kind of, you know, I focus on the tax planning and the financial planning kind of, you know, in conjunction with that. And is you, are, is, are you set for retirement? And is that vehicle going down the right path? And, and you know, we are all uh, certified financial planners in this room and yep. we do financial planning. And this is part of it. When you talk about financial planning, you talk about all of these aspects. You talk about tax planning, estate planning, investment planning, and you put it together with a financial plan and say, do I have enough money to retire? 
that would be the portfolio analysis, which we can do. We can set you up with at AnnexWealth.com. And by the way, Dave, I'm not great with numbers, and I know Mandy is here. 75% of the people in the room are CFPs. <laughs> so Mandy's going to stick around. We're going to talk about risk aversion. Stand by for that. This is Money Talk. It's Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, December 22nd. Yeah, go to AnnexWealth.com, hit that green Get Started button, and you can start 2019 with a free portfolio analysis. No obligation. Just check it out. Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, we are going to talk about the team and a little bit of tech. Over and over, researchers have shown that investors' willingness to withstand losses depends largely on where they live and whom they socialize with. Interesting stuff. Eric Strom, financial planning specialist, and Mandy Nowashinsky, CFP and tax planner at Annex Wealth Management, are here to talk about this. Hello, Eric. Hello, Danny. Data from Riskalyze, a firm that provides software to estimate investors' risk tolerances in. And responses, it's a big sample, 458,000 clients, over 20,000 advisors looking at patterns. Listen to this, guys. Nebraskans ranked highest on the risk scale with the highest score. Alaskans, New Yorkers, North Dakotans, and Marylanders not far behind. At the bottom, residents of New Jersey, Florida, New Mexico, Arkansas, West Virginia were the bottom. Where did Wisconsin fall? So Wisconsin is actually one of the most risk-averse states, according to this research. And you were blown away by that. You were surprised by that. I think this is completely bizarre. I guessed that there would be some correlation if you lived in a certain state, but the extent of this, just, I'm stunned. Mandy, were you surprised that we're 41st? I was, you know, when we meet with clients, we go over this exact scenario and, you know, we see clients ranging all over, kind of depending on, you know, where they are in their life cycle. But I was surprised that as a whole, we were 41st. I'm not. I, I just maybe really? maybe I'm, it's this broad generalization of Wisconsin. It's Midwest. We're a little bit more traditional. We don't take a lot of chances. We're smarter, maybe. But 41st out of 50. Uh, is that so bad? By the way, I think it's important to define risk tolerance. This research uh, published in the Wall Street Journal was put together by Riskalyze, which is a research and software partner of Annex. And we love their risk software called Riskalyze. And it really helps our clients get a gut check and an intuitive sense of how much risk are they taking in their portfolio. Another thing that the study says is that who we hang out with and where we live is where we get a lot of our stock information and sometimes some of our investing stuff. Again, I was surprised. So, Mandy, you're at the the cookout. Are you talking to your friends about investments? And are you following their advice? I'm not. You know, and I, and I generally don't talk about investments. You know, as working for Annex, I'm also a client of Annex. So I entrust, you know, Annex to manage my assets. And being younger, you know, I have more risk capacity or willingness to take risk because I have a long time horizon. So I think that's a good indicator of sometimes of how much risk you have is how, when will you need that money? Did you go through Riskalyze here? I did. So I was higher than the average for Wisconsin. Eric, so you go through this with a number of different clients. Is there any way that you'd ever predict a couple when they walk in what their risk tolerance would be? Yes. For example, for folks who listen to the radio show, I'm often on the radio show regarding clients who own annuities. And many clients who own annuities tend to be a little bit more risk averse because the story of an annuity really appeals to that investor. Also, clients who own a lot of physical gold or maybe have a large amount of cash in 
in their in maybe a safe at home or they have you know over a hundred thousand or sometimes we've seen two hundred thousand dollars of cash in savings accounts when clients have those types of investments you kind of get a sense even before you might use a tool like riskalyze this client likely has a pretty low risk tolerance. In other words, they're a little more risk averse. Mandy, you're tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. You're also a CFP. So how do you look at the investment, the, the, the whole pie? So when you're looking at, you know, risk tolerance and you kind of the investment, you look at it in a whole for a portfolio. You just, you don't look at each, you know, when you do tax planning, you might look at each individual security to see if there's something you can do with that. But when you're talking about financial planning, you look at the allocation of your portfolio as a whole and how is that doing and, you know, in relation to your risk tolerance and, you know, the conversation surrounding, you know, the tool that we use called Risk Alliance. No one wants to talk about taxes at barbecues because taxes are boring. <laughs> oh, no. Mandy, Mandy, people ask you about taxes all oh, the time, I would all think, the right? time. I mean, 2018 is a hot tax year, and, you know, with market volatility, people, you know, more so talking about how can I play on that from a tax standpoint? For our more conservative listeners out there, conservative with their investments, if you have a 401k or any kind of employer plan, one thing to know is that many of the fixed income options that are in your investment choices in 401ks are oftentimes very limited. For example, does your 401k have high yield bond fund or a floating rate fund or a short duration bond fund? Many times you might be sitting on large 401ks that have you know a lot of fixed income investments within that, but many 401ks out there have very, very limited options when it comes to bonds or bond funds, fixed income funds. That's what Tom Parks and his team are for. Mandy, exactly. uh, as our tax planner, that's what you and your team are for yep. is, is taking care of that client. And Eric is part of the planning team. That's what you guys do. That's the team at Annex Wealth Management. Eric Strom, thanks for coming in. Thanks. Thank Mandy, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Okay. And if you're feeling... Um, a little averse of, for some of the risk, um, we'd love to talk to you about that. You can just do that at AnnexWealth.com. Just hit that green Get Started button, the free portfolio analysis. Start 2019 with a, a good frame of mind. Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, December 22nd. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano is here. Mandy Nowashinsky still hanging out. And Deanne Phillips. So consternation. I guess that, that would be the big word this week. And it's what we're probably going to arrive on Monday and kind of look at the market and wonder what it's going to do. Well, you think about it. Monday's, Monday's just a half day. And then Tuesday, the market is closed. So there's not a lot of trading days. I wasn't really surprised that this happened on Friday because you had a weekend. You had a half day trade on Monday, closed market on Tuesday. And so people really don't want to be long, particularly traders. But we're not traders. We are financial planners and people who have a financial plan. There's a lot of things that they can do right now. And one of them is to take a look at your asset allocation and say, where am I with my, my equity positions, my emerging markets positions, my fixed income? Check your asset allocation would be one thing to take away from it. But there's a lot of other financial planning things that we can do, Deanne. One of them is rebalance. Absolutely. We can take a look at now, you know, putting the year to bed and taking a look at our 401ks, too, especially and say, how much can I afford to put in now? It's a new year. Maybe I can put away a little bit more as I rebalance um, tax, and, 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 tax and, Right. Sorry about that. And Mandy, you know, there's some tax planning things that we can do still in the end of the year yet. Right. One of the things we're looking at is harvesting some of those losses to kind of help offset maybe the earlier gains in the first part of the year to help from a tax standpoint, keep that tax bill a little lower. And so, you know, you look and say, man, do I have dry powder? Do we have some money sitting around? Well, things are 15 or 20% cheaper than they were 
stocks are on sale. And so you, if you have some capital, and you know, this is not just to our clients, but to everyone listening, there, there might be some opportunities in front of you right now. Right. You know, it's Christmas time. We like to buy things on sale. You know, it's nice to think, you know, with the stock market down a little bit, you can take some of that cash on the sidelines and get it to work. So in the last couple of minutes, I want to talk about a theory that we use with our clients, and we call it lovingly the bucket theory. And uh, Deanne let's, uh, and, and Mandy, let's talk about what that is. So the bucket theory is really, and I, I love using this with people who are going through a transition, making sure that your immediate needs are taken care of. So you've got that income-producing bucket. When we're working, it's our paychecks going in. When we go through a transition or in retirement, it might be Social Security. It could be, if we're lucky, a pension. It could be cash on hand we have saved. And it also can be dividends and interest income that's coming from our investments. So we want to first take a look at our expenses and make sure that we're comfortable that our have-tos are taken care of. Of. That's really our first bucket. Then we can look at our second bucket being a little bit longer, maybe fixed income bucket, maybe bond production bucket. Maybe this covers some more of our discretionary expenditures. Maybe we have a little bit of exposure to the market in that. And finally, the third and the big bucket is kind of the what I like to call the future bucket. So, and I'm talking five years out or so. You know, sometimes we think, well, I'm retiring. I should be really safe, right? But if you think about it, we could be retired as long as we were working. We need to have that last stock usual bucket, right? that has domestic and international stocks in it, but it's for the future. It's our five-year time frame bucket. So, Mandy, you know, that first bucket, that's, that's a, you know, the, the rainy day things. And so, exactly. and you think about if you had a year or two or maybe even three years in that short-term bucket and you see a blip like this, this is not affecting your financial plan at all. It is not because you've got that cash reserve on hand to kind of weather the storm, as you might say, but you still got, you know, in that, as Deanne was saying, that long-term bucket, some exposure, so that way you're not all in cash and losing, you know, future growth. So as uh, as people are thinking about what's happening with the market right now, you go, there is some things that we can do in our portfolios. And again, just to reiterate, you can go and rebalance right now. Check your asset allocation and say, maybe I should move some chips around. You know, is there some tax loss selling that maybe we should consider? And if you have dollars that you've been sitting on the sideline with, and we see that a lot with new people who come in, you know, they might have 25, 30% of their portfolio sitting in a checking account because it either accumulated or they got too busy or they're, you know, whatever the, the distraction is and they never got to that. If there is some capital that you have set aside, go through and make a shopping list. Now, obviously, we're all going to go leave here today and, and finish our shopping list up for Christmas, but there is a shopping list of stocks right now, Deanne, that you can take a look at. There definitely are, and I would add one more to your list as well, Dave, and that would be taking a look and seeing if we've been putting 6% of our pre-tax money away. Maybe we do 7 because then we're putting a little bit more at a good time into the market. And you mean for the 401k for plans? For 401k, 403bs, you and, bet. And so as we go into the new year, there's a lot of things to be positive about. And I want to take this opportunity to thank our listeners. Every Saturday we are in here, and Danny, you're here every Saturday running a couple of shows, as a matter of fact. So I appreciate everyone taking the time. I appreciate all, all the employees in Annex Wealth Management. Of course, we appreciate our clients. But if you have questions, and something that we said today made a light bulb go on, there is ways to take advantage of that. Go ahead and reach out to us at AnnexWealth.com. Get a free portfolio review. It is painless. It's another way to take a check of where you are, and it's helpful as we going to the end of the year. Uh, Dave, you've said it all. That's it for Annex Wealth Management. It's Money Talk and WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.